Okay, hey guys, welcome to Consume, a podcast by me, Bert Olivier, where I talk about all the things I consume, uh, and it's also my weekly journal. Um, and yeah, this week has felt long, I feel like it's been forever since I recorded, it's because I actually, I started work uh, at my new job, working for the City of Glendale Parks and Community Services, uh, and it's uh, a fucking ridiculously easy job. It's cool. Uh, I just show up and like on some days I go to one park and I moved some tables around and check in old people or children for, uh, their art classes and then just have a bunch of downtime waiting for the class to end. And then you do a little bit of cleanup. Uh, and then the other park up at the Stone Barn Nature Center at Duke Majin Wilderness Park. Uh, I worked there one day last week on Saturday and... I just kind of sat there and got to know my coworker. Uh, she was nice. Um, and just like, yeah, sat there and while people came into the center and she answered their questions because I still don't know enough about it yet. So I got to do a lot of studying about uh, the surrounding nature and all that bullshit. Um, so the job is cool. At least like the actual working part of it uh, is fine. Though I still have a bunch of other issues now. Um, like my health insurance uh, is running out. Today is March 29th as I record. Uh, my Kaiser, Calvary, California, helping me out with my Kaiser plan ends on March 31st. Uh, and then I switch over to Medi-Cal, so I think I'm still getting something. Of course, I tried to call them to get more information, but there were too many calls on the line, so they just said call back later. So I got to keep trying them. Uh, so that's frustrating because I was trying to set up a doctor's appointment because I still feel like shit. I still have that weird feeling in my chest, uh, that I don't know what it is. And then my anxiety keeps trying to convince me that it's a tumor or some shit in my chest now. Who fucking knows? I doubt it. I'm probably just sick with a sore throat and I'm going with the worst possible thing to worry about. Hasn't been a fun week for my body. Uh, uh, felt so stupid on, so on Friday... I worked setting up for an art class in the morning from like, I worked from eight to two. And so before work, I'm not used to waking up that early or eating that early. So all I had in the morning was like my coffee and a protein shake. Uh, then I went to work and only had like water throughout the day and not much, not enough water as we'll get to. Uh, then I get off work at two and I come home and I just don't know what I want to eat. Nothing looks good. And so I kind of like hem and haw and like, don't figure out anything to eat until like four. Um, and I go to Wapa Grill cause they have that fake uh, plant-spired steak. I was like, oh, that sounds good. Let me try getting a wrap, because I haven't had the wrap before, uh, and that was a fucking rip-off. It was like a $9 wrap, and they only put like four pieces of this fake steak in there. I should just got a plate with rice, uh, but because on Friday I didn't, like, eat well enough or drink enough water, I, like, got a real bad dehydration headache the next day, and so my body was like, oh, you're hungover, so guess what? You're gonna have a fucking massive headache and you're gonna throw up <laughs> so i couldn't keep anything down i threw up like twice that morning and then i had to go work at the stone barn and like just suffer through this headache while sitting there and like getting into my coworker. but i felt like i hit it pretty well um i eventually told her because we were talking for a while but like at the end i felt bad she was like trying to show me like the closing things and like some more information but like i started to feel like i was gonna throw up again like in my mask like my mouth even did like that like mouth watering thing you know when you're about to throw up uh thankfully i didn't and then i just like got out of there then i didn't feel better until like fucking 1 a.m that night and then also in addition to all this 
since I'm not used to moving anything uh, or like being any kind of active. And like this job, you're not not doing much, just moving a few, t- few tables, only walking around. But I'm definitely on my feet more uh, than I'm used to. And I probably didn't lift things properly a few times. Uh, my lower back hurts like a motherfucker. So I got to start being real careful and like doing some exercises and stretches so I don't throw my back out at work in like the first two weeks. Um, it's great. Love having a body, uh, which I think leads it back to like the health insurance thing. I was, so I was talking to the covered California lady and she's like, yeah, if you, cause I got switched to Medi-Cal cause my house income was zero for so long. And apparently to, you have to make $1,500 and like, it's like $1,584, some like weirdly specific number like that in order for covered California to provide you with assistance for like a Kaiser plan or something that's not Medi-Cal. So I did like a little wage calculator cause I haven't even gotten my first paycheck yet. So I was like, okay, if I'm making $16 an hour part-time, how much am I getting a month? And I'm getting, uh, less a month <laughs> than, uh, my brother is going to be making doing accounting a week for the fucking Netflix Pop-Tart movie, um, which, you know, good for him, but part of me is still just very bitter about this whole thing, so I gotta figure something out and find another job or something. Thankfully, I think this will, I can at least survive a few more months, uh, with the money I have now and, uh, this job, especially if I start budgeting right, which is gonna be harder now because gas prices and I have to do a lot of driving to get into and from these parks. (sighs) So, I don't know. It's a lot. So that's enough of a life update, I guess. We'll get into the consumption. First part, no food. Special food consumption this week. Uh, So books. I'm back to, I think, like I said last week, I feel like I read a lot less this week because I'm not, I wasn't plowing through 100 comic books on my tablet. Still read a good stack of, like, the books I bought last week. Let's see uh, if there's anything worth talking about. There's Saga 57 by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Uh, just a little backstory on what happened while we're while they took the three-month break in the narrative there. We got to see Goose. That was nice. Uh, Nightwing number 90 by Tom Taylor and Geraldo Borges. The team-up book with The Flash. Not much to say about this except for this comic. I put in my backseat. I bought this thing a couple weeks ago. And I put it in my back seat, and I guess it fell under the fucking chair, and then like a water bottle that I had back there like sprang a leak or something. So when I finally found it a few days ago, it was like all water damaged, and uh, like it's still readable, but it's just like annoying. And I always tell myself that I'm not like a comic book collector for like the money. I still like put all my stuff in bags and boards just to like keep it a little safe, but like I'd buy books to read them, not to like preserve them but it still like had that like itch in my brain like that this book got so fucked up I was like I need to go buy another one but no I don't need to this book's not even going to be worth any money nothing too exciting happened in, in it so whatever uh then Harley Quinn 13 with Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rossmo Harley stole a bunch of food for poor people that's nice at the end of the issue she goes to prison so the next issue I'm looking forward to because I always like a good hero in prison story uh and then Action Comics 1041, continuing, like, they've been doing this kind of Superman on War World, War World, it's a hard word to say, uh, has real, like, barbarian vibes, uh, and it's been fun. The, like, the last page spread was, like, a good spread of, like, Superman shirtless with, like, a Conan, like, little trunks on with an S carrying a sword. It'd be a very cool toy. Hopefully they make that at some point. Uh, 
So that's been fun. Then mm, I finished the X Deaths of Wolverine storyline, which I think I mentioned uh, last week because, or maybe the week before, because like the guy who reviews these that I always see, this guy scratch on Goodreads is fucking hilarious. Uh, and he hates this story. But uh, I thought it was pretty fun. This ending was kind of dull. But like this overall was like a good Wolverine story touching on like all the different chapters of his life and it also did a lot to set up how moira mctaggart is going to be like one of the big x-men villains in the future which is pretty cool she was the mutant who are human she was a human who was like a doctor who would help charles xavier for a lot of stuff and uh she seemed like just like a normal human who i think had a relationship with charles but then jonathan hickman revealed like when the House of X and this whole Krakoa Island thing started a few years ago that she has been a mutant this whole time and her power is reincarnation. So every time she dies, she like goes back to the beginning of her life with all of her memories and like resets the timeline. And like each time she tried like a different way of helping mutants or even going against mutants. So like this timeline that we're in is her trying to use all of her knowledge to like ensure like mutants like safety for the future which is how we got this whole Krakoa thing going on with their own nation and all that but uh Mystique and Mystique's uh wife Destiny got mad at Moira McTaggart for some reason I think because they didn't want to like resurrect Destiny uh and so they like shot Moira McTaggart with like a gun that takes away mutant power so now she can't reincarnate anymore so now she's gonna like out of her mind using her thousands of years of knowledge and she's gonna try and take out mutants probably that's a lot of lore that probably didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of you you don't need to worry about it it's a bunch of bullshit but it's kind of fun uh so all in all this x deaths and x life of wolverine stories were pretty fun when it's collected it'll be a good little book and then another tie-in or mutant thing which is a tie-in with the devil's reign daredevil event the, their X-Men story is all about Emma Frost and her dealings with Kingpin. And so the I read the last one. It was just a three-issue tie-in. Uh, and it's just an overall really good Emma Frost story. So if that sounds interesting to you. I don't know. I can't even... She, like, helps a kid and puts Kingpin in his place. It's pretty fucking cool. Emma, Emma Frost is a good character. Uh, Human Target number six by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Good comic. This book is going on a hiatus now. Uh... It's supposed to be like a 12-issue miniseries, but Greg Smallwood needs more time for the work, uh, which is good. They should give him all the time he needs because his art's fucking fantastic. Uh, but yeah, Human Target, a uh, good little pulpy kind of superhero book. There's a part I want to talk about that's a big spoiler. I just don't want to say it just in case. Let's just say that I thought this book was in continuity, but then a major hero gets killed. So I'm pretty sure it's not in continuity. Anyways, it's a good book. And then I read an issue of Detective Comics that's not worth talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's just the end of some storylines, and it was fine. There's a Riddler story coming up next month. That should be cool. Uh, and then, last thing I read uh, this week, I read Dexter bought this a while back for some reason. He bought the Spider-Man by Todd McFarlane Omnibus. Um, so I finally got around to reading this. It collects like 15 issues of uh, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man run from uh, 1990. First time I had read this, uh, pretty good. It's fun. I don't know. It's nothing uh mind blowing, but you know McFarland's art is uh really fun. He makes a lot of like cool design choices and composition choices, even though his uh the word bubbles don't always uh flow as well as I would like. Um, 
I don't know, there's some cool pages and, like, a lot of, like, big one-page spreads of, like, Spidey in, like, weird positions with that, like, real ropey uh, webs that um, McFarlane likes to do. The stories themselves are kind of weird. Like, the first five issues are about, like, Spider-Man fighting the lizard, but the lizard is, like, under the thrall of some, like, woman who is like a witch but she's also attached to craven the hunter somehow i can't quite remember there wasn't much dialogue and that which i always like makes it easier to just like plow through it <laughs> but uh yeah it's like yeah it's just like a weird fight with the lizard and then like the next one where there was ghost rider and uh hobgoblin and then there's like a story where fucking spider-man goes to canada and teams up with wolverine to prove that the wendigo isn't killing kids it's actually a serial killer um oh yeah there's a morbius story in there that movie's coming out this week have to try and go see that i feel like it should be at least kind of fun i think the reviews have been bad but whatever i'll fucking pay a matinee to go see it so yeah i don't know three stars for this omnibus it's kind of fun the art's cool uh the stories are fine spidey is like kind of weirdly right wing (laughs) and some of this which i guess makes sense it's 1990 and he is a guy who likes to go around and beat up uh muggers i think there was even like a a part where it had like the thing that's in dirty harry where like criminals have all the rights you know and that they need to take some restrictions off of crime fighting in the police uh so that's fun so yeah that's it for (laughs) books nothing too amazing or probably even interesting to hear about uh We'll be back in a second to talk about uh, some movies. Okay, we're back. It's a new day. It's Wednesday. Uh, didn't didn't do much today. I worked, quote unquote. Had to go to this uh, park, Windsor Mini Park in uh, Glendale. It's just like a little neighborhood park because they were doing a film permit. Um, and it was just like two uh, girls from Pepperdine College filming their friend or they're this person they know that uh plays acoustic guitar and does like covers <laughs> it was like for some college project and so we decided to go to the park and stand there while they did this and if they needed any help they didn't really need anything so it was just like me and my co-worker talking and getting to know each other uh this dude mike nice guy kind of awkward he does animation and like freelance art on the side so you know that's kind of cool and yeah me and him just talked for like an hour and they finished early we were supposed to be there we're scheduled to be there from 3 30 to 7 30 but we left by like 5 30 i think i like stopped at staples and got burger king and stopped by the gas station and i got home by like 6 45 or 6 30 so not a bad day of work i don't know if i'm how the pay works like if they schedule us for four hours there's no like clocking in and out so i don't know if that I have to ask tomorrow if I'm only going to get paid for whatever. Anyways, uh, here for part two, we're here to talk about movies, so let's just jump into the movies. Uh, I'm like less and less satisfied with how <laughs> I've been reviewing these. Uh, I'm not sure. I doubt it's very apparent to the ten of you that listen uh, the difference between how I used to re- review them and how I do now, but I feel like I've already forgotten all of these movies that I watched this week, so I think I'm going to try and do some like more timely recordings next week for next week's show i don't know i feel like since dexter i'm like home more during the week and dexter's gone uh i'll feel more comfortable recording more often and not having to wait till nighttime whatever maybe i'll do it we'll see i might just be lazy and say fuck it and just do it the same way i've been doing it so uh let's stumble through these reviews uh first up we watched dead presidents from 1995 directed by uh the hughes brothers 
uh, in this movie, I was surprised. It was, it's fucking, it's really good. It's a fun time. Uh, starring Lorenz Tate, and you got Keith David and Chris Tucker in there. Uh, Terrence Howard, Bokeem Woodbine. And yeah, it's like a period movie. This is 1995. The movie was made in 95. Uh, but it's like a, it's a nom movie. It's about these, uh, dudes in Brooklyn. And like the first half is them like graduating high school and like get... Our main guy, Lorenz Tate, is kind of doing some, like, undercover, like, not undercover, some, like, shady shit for Keith David, who's, like, kind of a, like, bookie, um, mobbish kind of guy. And then he's friends with Chris Tucker, and Chris Tucker is, like, obviously gonna become an addict. Uh, and, you know, and it's, like, there's a girl, and he, like, gets the girl pregnant, but then he's going to the military, and he's going to Vietnam. And then the whole second act is all Vietnam, where our kind of, like, young kid becomes, like, a hardened member of this like special forces unit uh recon unit i think and then bokeem woodbine is there as part of that and he's like the crazy guy on the team he like chops off this vietnam guy's head and carries it around as like a souvenir um when chris tucker shows up and joins his like platoon and this is where he develops his like uh heroin addiction uh and then they come back and the third act is them like discovering that life is hard when you're a soldier uh (laughs) a vet coming back from vietnam and so they decide to try and rob a uh, an armored car. And, like, this whole movie is done really well. And it's, like, a really cool story. And, like, you get attached to all these characters. And I know that this is, like, the point of the movie, kind of. Uh, but this heist goes so just, like, wrong in every way that it's such a bummer. Because he's, like, a competent, like, special forces guy. So you feel like they should be able at least to do something. He should be able to organize something, like, semi-decent. But, like people die and like they end up killing a bunch more people than they mean to and some people on their team die and basically like so many things go wrong and they still get out of there with some money so it's not a complete failure but it just like (laughs) it was such a bummer that it almost like took me out of the movie like I almost wanted to turn it off I was just like oh man I wanted like something good to happen for this guy you're like trying to root from the whole movie but no life just fucking shits on him which you know makes sense he's black man who went to fucking vietnam uh and he lives in new york city like life ain't makes sense that life isn't easy <laughs> um so yeah that aside it's a it's a great movie a lot of fun performances um good stuff four stars for dead presidents next up uh breaking from our usual action boys list that i've been following me and dexter watched uh jackass forever because it's on it's on paramount plus already if you have that i I did like the dollar for a dollar a month for three months thing because me and Dexter want to watch the Halo show, which did I talk about that last week? We watched the first episode of Halo and it's so weird. They changed so much. I mean, they keep a lot of like, you know, everything looks like Halo, but they've like totally changed the lore of like how the Spartans are, like how the Covenant works, what they're even doing. I don't know. It's just so weird to have... Apparent Dexter was saying that, like, the people who made the show, like, didn't play the game. <laughs> they somehow, like, just got certain information and then made a narrative completely on their own. Which is, like, kind of cool. It's, like, cool that we're gonna 
you can watch this show and like get a completely new story with characters that we know, like an alternate universe thing. But there's still that part of my brain that's just like, you have this whole like, like universe already built for you with all this like amazing lore and stuff. And then to just like not use it feels very weird to me. Anyways, maybe I said that all last week. I can't remember. Um, Jackass Forever. <laughs> so we watched Jackass and uh, unsurprisingly, it fucking rules. It's uh, it was really nice to see the boys you know, being boys again, uh, though I can tell that, like, I'm getting old because all I could think about <laughs> for, like, most of the stunts and shit is just how much it has to hurt, just, like, imagining my back giving out with, like, everything, like, sitting on the chairs with, like, the fucking, uh, uh, air cushion things, launching them up, uh, good amount of gross shit, a lot of dicks, um, I did not care for any of the, like, new young people that they introduced. Could have done without pretty much all of them. They all seemed, uh, lame and not very charming. And, I'm like, I get why you would bring in some young people so you have some other, uh, people to beat up. And these old 50-year-old dudes aren't killing themselves for, like, every little thing. But still, I could have done without them. Uh, so, yeah, I'm rocking off a star for how much they focus on the new people. But, uh... Four stars for Jackass Forever. It was very nice to see the boys again. It's one of my favorite uh, shows from childhood. It's truly one of the best things that America has ever ever produced. And like Johnny Knoxville is like an American saint. He's gonna. I feel like he should be remembered like a legend, like fucking Paul Bunyan in the future. You know. And next, we're we're back to the Action Boys list with a real fucking <laughs> uh, some trash here. Watched uh, Rotor from 1987, uh, which stands for, it's an acronym for Robotic Officer Tactical Operation Research. Uh, and I think the Action Boys picked this because they did a live show in Dallas, and this movie was made in Dallas, and it's basically if some, like, Dallas, uh, locals saw Robocop and was like, we could kind of do that, <laughs> and, uh, it fucking fails miserably. When I started this movie, I had to check the Wikipedia to make sure that I wasn't watching, like, the wrong movie, because I found, like, this on YouTube. <laughs> it's, like, it's on YouTube with, like, Finnish subtitles. Um, and, but, like, the first part, like, apparently this doctor or scientist who creates Rotor, uh, he, like, also owns a ranch. So, like, the first ten minutes in the movie are just him, like, waking up at home and, like, petting his horse and doing some stuff around the house. <laughs> and then he, like, gets called into the office where... There's, like, already, like, a robot cop, but it's, like, like a beep-beep, like, Johnny Five kind of robot. I don't even know if Johnny Five's are. I don't know if I could pick Johnny Five out of the lineup, but you know what I mean. It's, like, a droid, and they're working on this, like, Rotor program for their, like, perfect cop, but it's, like, the perfect cop for the future because they still need, like, to work on the program, and it's going to be, like, 25 years before it's ready, and they're projecting that the world in 25 years from 1987 <laughs> is going to be, like, a, a lawless dystopia. So they need, like, a judge, jury, and an executioner. It's basically like they needed to make Judge Dredd for, like, Make a City 1. Um, but some, like, shit goes wrong. He gets activated. And then he goes and he, like, gets on a motorcycle. Rotor, I'm talking about. 
uh, the robot cop, who's just a guy with a mustache wearing like a motorcycle outfit. Um, and he like is on his motorcycle and he immediately goes out and sets a speed trap out like on a country road. That's his like first directive, I guess. And he stops the guy for speeding and shoots him in the head. And then the whole rest of the movie is like this guy's wife trying to run away from Rotor, um, who conveniently has the weakness of car horns are too loud for him. <laughs> so that helps her get away multiple times. So she's like running away from Rotor while the like rancher doctor scientist is chasing them to try and stop Rotor. But there's like a lot of like long breaks that they take. Like he like stops to pick up his like fellow scientist who's like this real buff chick with like really weirdly dyed hair. They even like stop and like check her into a hotel before they like go pursuing after Rotor. And then he even says like, oh yeah, the woman that he's chasing, she's been running all night and she's like, she she's smart. She'll get away from him. It's like, why the fuck? Why are you taking all this time? You should just be <laughs> chasing the whole time. I don't know. None of this movie uh, makes sense. It's uh, the dialogue is fucking awful. They try to like throw in a lot of like comedy one liners. Like I can't I can't remember why I wrote down a couple of them. I can't remember what this was in reference to. I guess there was some fat guy that he was talking about. And he says, man was 39 years old before he discovered gravy wasn't a beverage. Uh, which, you know, that's a good sick burn. Uh, and then later, the, like, buff uh, scientist chick, uh, like, helps him. I can't remember. I think they were, like, talking about getting help from people. And then she says, I'm like a cemetery. I'll take anybody. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure that's been used in all kinds of shit. But it just didn't feel like the place for a one-liner. So, I don't know. Not a great movie. Rotor. Um, but kind of funny, so, you know, I didn't feel any malice towards it, so two stars. Not the worst movie I watched this week, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, next I watched Miller's Crossing from 1990, Coen Brothers movie, and I know I had seen this before, I watched this when I was, like, real young, maybe, like, 19 or 20, and I remember I watched this because I really liked The Big Lebowski, and so I wanted to watch all the Coen Brothers movies to try and feel like I was serious about film or some shit. Uh, and the only thing that I had remembered that, like, stuck with me from this movie is a part where John Polito, who's playing, like, a top-level gangster, is, like, talking to his driver and telling him that in order to get a close shave, you need to rinse off your razor in cold water because the cold water will make the metal contract, therefore giving you a closer, sharper shave. <laughs> and that stuck with me, I think because I watched this around the time where I first started shaving regularly. It was a very late bloomer in my uh, neck beard coming in. Still haven't gotten my mustache. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I don't know. This movie is, it's very like well executed, feels smart. Uh, it's funny. Everyone's speaking, all the dialogue is like very uh, clean. But like ultimately, I didn't really care about Gabriel Burns character and like his like bouncing back and forth between all these mobs uh and like all these double crosses and like figuring out everything uh and how to stay like one step ahead of everybody else while dealing with like fucking John Turturro and Steve Buscemi and all of them so I don't know since like I didn't care it just kind of left me feeling a little cold at the end I was just like all right that was a fine movie so you know three and a half stars for Miller's Crossing it's good it's a Coen Brothers movie uh, so, you know, it's definitely enjoyable. It's definitely not my favorite of theirs. Didn't feel attached to anything that happened. Uh, next, I watched The Pope of Greenwich Village with Mickey Rourke and uh, fucking Eric Roberts and Daryl Hannah. Um, and this is, it's kind of fun, but Jesus Christ, fucking <laughs> Eric Roberts 
overacting in this is so distracting. You can't, I just can't fucking take it seriously. And I'm sure there are real people like this, uh, but man, it's just rough. So like, it's like kind of a crime movie. Uh, Mickey Rourke uh, plays like a host at this restaurant where Eric Roberts is a, um, a waiter and their cousins, like third cousins, but they're very close and they end up getting fired because they've been skimming, uh, profits off the top of like their tickets and then they like owe a lot of money to bookies and shit and then eric roberts hears from his uncle who's like a mobster working for uh fucking uh the guy burt young the guy who plays paulie in the rocky movies which is funny because eric roberts character is named paulie in this so they hear about this like safe that has a bunch of money in it that like people aren't watching or they think that people aren't watching very close so they assign to rob this safe and so they do this heist, and they get, like, this third guy, this old watch, uh, what do you call it? Watchmaker? I don't know if he's a watchmaker. The guy fixes watches. A locksmith. Whatever. He says he's a locksmith. <laughs> and he, uh, he is, like, their safe cracker. And so they go to, like, rob this safe, and it turns out to have, like, way more money than they thought. And also a cop, like, a dirty cop was coming to get money from it, and he accidentally dies, which, like, leads to a bunch of shit going down. And I don't know. It's, um, it's fine. It's not my favorite. Uh, I'm, I'll give it three stars. I just really... Eric Roberts. Not my favorite. Great in Runaway Train. He's a little toned down in Runaway Train. But in this, too much. Can't handle it. I was just looking at my notes and I forgot to mention that in uh, For Miller's Crossing, the Coen brothers turned down making uh, Batman to make that movie. Which, like, you know, I love the Tim Burton Batman because that's what we grew up with. But, man... I really would have liked to see a Coen Brothers Batman movie. Would have been interesting. Uh, and then, so next movie, I watched uh, Boiling Point from 1993. And this movie is like the definition of the whole uh, not being equal to the sum of its parts. It's like, so you got Wesley Snipes and fucking Dennis Hopper and Viggo Mortensen uh, making this like gritty LA crime movie, which should be like right up my alley. But it is just so boring it just feels so flat it just feels like nothing ever gets going like you don't really care about what's going on like so dennis hopper is like a scam artist and he's using vigo mortensen who went to prison with him they just got out vigo mortensen is like this criminal who like gets off on killing kind of but it's more like he just doesn't give a shit about killing so it's not like too interesting and then uh wesley snipes is playing like an undercover agent who whose partner gets killed by vigo mortensen at the beginning and so then he has to like he is gonna get taken off this case because things have been going wrong uh and then he has and then he has like a week to find wesley or tennis hopper and vigo mortensen and they keep like closely circling each other like their circles and like the they keep like almost passing each other in these places that it's just like doesn't make any fucking sense and i don't know it's it just didn't work for me the analogy <laughs> whenever i finished the movie uh that i thought of was that it felt like you're getting on this like plane to go on a cool trip and then you you're taxiing the runway but then you just keep taxing the runway and then it just turns around and goes right back to the terminal it doesn't feel like anything ever takes off or happens uh i don't know two and a half stars that's all i got for that one uh next movie i watched uh copland from 1997 and this is one i wish i remembered better because while i was watching it i felt like i had a lot of thoughts but now i don't remember shit but this is a it's a pretty good movie it's like a it feels like a gritty little indie movie but 
you got all these like big actors in it. You got fucking Sylvester Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, <laughs> Janine Garofalo, Robert Patrick, Michael Rappaport, you know, a lot of names. Uh, and so it's about like, there's this town in New Jersey where all the cops from this like one New York precinct live, like right across the bridge. And they're like a gang, of course. And like Harvey Keitel is like their leader. And then Sylvester Stallone plays the kind of like slow uh, sheriff of the town who like always wanted to be a cop, but they never like let him in the club. And they just let him be the sheriff as like a consolation prize because he's like half deaf because he like saved this girl from drowning when he was like a teenager. And she ended up marrying some other cop and he never got married because, you know, he's sad. (laughs) And so he just kind of plays this like sad, dumb sheriff. And it's like a great performance from Sly. I really liked it. Um, And so the the whole thing is like Michael Rappaport is this young cop that everybody calls Superboy because he saves some kids and he like is driving home kind of drunk from a cop party and this car like kind of starts fucking with him. These like two black kids in a car and he thinks they're shooting at him but actually they're like holding a club you know those things that go on like steering wheels and acting like it's a gun and then michael rapaport's tire pops and so he thinks that's a gunshot so he starts shooting at this car causing a car accident and those two kids die and then when harvey Keitel and them show up uh to help they try to like plant evidence but the emt won't let them and so they decide to fake michael rapaport's death <laughs> so the the superboy image uh won't be ruined and so that it won't draw attention to the antics of the police this like precincts uh what whatever yeah to the antics of this precinct because robert de niro has been investigating he's part of ia internal affairs and he's like um been investigating them because he thinks that harvey Keitel and all these cops are like helping move drugs for the mob <laughs> in order to ha- like have all these nice houses in new jersey i don't know it's a lot my, my one of my notes that i wrote down was just like life it doesn't need to be this hard it feels like so stressful to like try and live like i know this is like a movie and like they're heightening things but like people i feel like people actually do this <laughs> like do all this like wild shit you know you have to like be part of this like gang of cops and do all this like other extra shit it's just like so much i don't know why but yeah so this is a pretty good movie it wraps up maybe a little too cleanly but uh i don't know it's nice three and a half stars i feel like this is a movie i would want to revisit some point later in life and i feel like i could give it a high score higher score but you know pretty good copland and then last movie of uh the week i watched hudson hawk from 1991 and it feels uh both appropriate and inappropriate to be talking about this movie today uh because this is a bruce willis movie um and he like they announced today that he's like stepping back from acting because he has aphasia which i don't know what that is exactly but i guess it affects uh cognitive ability so a lot of people were like saying nice things about bruce willis today <laughs> and i it feels inappropriate to be talking about this because uh i was gonna come in here and talk about how much this movie fucking sucks and i feel like uh it probably captures how insufferable bruce willis is in real life i don't think he seems like a great dude uh he's done you know some good performances but i just i feel like he is very annoying and you can tell from this movie so it's like i guess supposed to be a comedy but none of the jokes land bruce willis is a writer on this and i did read in the imdb trivia that they like did a lot of like rewrites on sets with him just like throwing out ideas and you can tell from how fucking sloppy this whole thing is and um i don't know i didn't read all of the wikipedia for the or the imdb for this because i didn't feel like i needed to suffer that much but yeah i don't know it's just 
the, so he plays Hudson Hogg, and that's like a nickname that he gave himself uh, in the movie, and he explains it, I think, multiple times. And he's like the best cat burglar, and he gets drawn into this uh, CIA plot, but it's also like a plot by these like criminals who want to like, who are like bored billionaires who want to rule the world. And also the Vatican is involved because they want him to steal things that like apparently Leonardo da Vinci made a machine that could turn lead into gold. Uh, because this movie starts with like a whole, like a thing in the past where they obviously put like a good amount of money into sets and stuff to like build. Maybe I'm making an assumption maybe they just use an actual castle but like to have this like weird period piece to show like leonardo da vinci making this giant contraption and there's like i don't know show it turn lead into gold and some of his other inventions like a hang glider uh so like we start out with that and then we jump to the present where hudson hawk is getting out of prison and is being hired to steal all this da vinci stuff to help out all these people and he keeps like bouncing back and forth between all the parties and this uh uh involved whatever um I don't know. It's just not funny. <laughs> no, all the jokes suck. It's just a bunch of like weird over and under acting at the same time. For some reason, Bruce Willis, uh, his character has a running bit where he knows the exact length of songs and that's supposed to be like impressive. I don't know, like two times in this movie they use like the device of to time out his heist. He like will sing a song or him and Danny Aiello. It's like a pair will like sing a song to like time out how uh, their heists are supposed to go. I don't know. I feel like I should rag on this more, but I don't have it in me to keep thinking about Hudson Hawk. So fucking one star <laughs> in this movie. Uh, one of the more annoying things that I have watched in this project. And yeah, that's it for movies this week and for Consume. Uh, again, I've been Bert, Bert and Olivier at Birds Are On Everything. If you have any questions, comments, or recommendations, uh... And we'll be back next week with uh, maybe a slightly shifted format. Or maybe not. We'll see. But until then, it's time I disappear.